Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So there's a lot of movement and fluidity out there in the world these days. A lot of stuff is happening. You're either on one side of the fence or you're not. Whether it's politics or what you like or don't like, whether it's how you show up in the world. And then, yes, there's also that fluidity of, well, who you are as a person. I am one of the first to say, let people be who they are and just embrace that we're all different. And that's what makes this a beautiful space. Well, at least those of us who can think that way, think that way. But um, I'm excited because I have somebody who's an author who wrote a book that I felt like I should just have named my book something completely opposite because we kind of go together. They are very much playing in the fluidity space. And the book is White Girl Within. I just want to say Black Diva Within would be my book. But um, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Ronnie Gladden, who is a speaker and actor. They're a college professor. They are just who they are. And I'm going to be honest, I may screw up and call him him at times. They are beautiful. I are, I can actually see them. I wish y'all could see how beautiful, gorgeous they are. But um, we're going to have a fun conversation because I've been talking to him for just a few minutes before and... I don't know where we're going, folks, but buckle up, girls and guys. It could be a rocky, fun ride. So, Dr. Ronnie, welcome to the podcast. Looking forward oh, to it. Oh, thank you for having me, Rick. Well, girl, I haven't had you, but, you know, we'll get to that <laughs> down the road. So, um, so wow, White Girl Within. Let's just go right there. I love, yeah. love, love the title. It's just, Thank you. There's so much that could be, quote, read into that, no pun intended. But, um. I love that you're like, just, you're putting it out there. Like there's this essence of who you are that needed to be released and shared with the world. So why did you feel like I got to do this? This got to be my path. I didn't have any choice. It felt like the subconscious took over. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought I'd wear my hair like this. I never would have thought I dressed the way that I am. I never would have thought that I would tell you about a white girl within, but here it is. And this started unfolding out of me before Laverne Cox, wow. before Caitlyn Jenner, before Jazz Jennings, before Rachel Dolezal, et cetera. Mm. Like I started processing this back in the 2000s. And so what I started doing started to catch up with some of the cultural figures I just mentioned. Yeah. And so I think in a bigger way, it's just showing, like you said at the start of the show, how a lot of us are recognizing we're the opposite of everything in some mm-hmm. way or the other. And yep. society is unfolding. So it's just kind of my journey along with everyone else's, I think, in one way or the other. It's interesting that you said this started for you in the 2000s because there was a lot of movement in the 2000s. I just got to say, I mean, Ellen had come out by then. 
I came out, which the whole world. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, nobody knew. Well, yeah, people knew, but I re I remember that time frame because I came out in 1999. Yes, I sang the Prince oh, song okay. right as I came out, and um, it was so interesting. Once I settled into being who I, we started settling into who I was, and yeah. looking around and going, "There's shit moving everywhere." <laughs> Right. People are, you know, and it was almost like there was, it was the beginning. I mean, I know Stonewall and everything kind of helped us get it back in the 60s, 70s, but yeah. it was almost like there was a whole new level of permission to kind of start exploring, you know, and it, the momentum yeah. has carried forward, obviously, to this stage oh, yeah. where now, of course, we're pissing off the whole world because we want to be who we are once again. But, you know, hey, if you don't well, want to I be think, queer or drag or non-conforming, then don't. That's my message to the, those who hate us so much. Like, exactly. then don't do it, you know. But um, well, I think, there had to be something within you that was like, I, as you said, I can't not do this. Yeah, which is true. And it, I mean, it happened in stages and pockets. So I wasn't like fully. So you, the show's uncloseted. And, you know, I would peek out of it or do a mm -hmm. little double dutch. So a yep, little bit, yep, yep. I'm out. And then I'm in and then I'm out. So now there's a lot more of it robust. But but yeah, I mean, and, and what you just said about people being pissed off with what's happening LGBTQ plus, I think that you've got some folks that are cherry picking some things that extremists do. And there are extremists in every category. Yep. And then they highlight that and they want to make that a talking point for political expediency and to make it seem like that that's the whole narrative for everyone that all lesbians act a certain way all trans people act a certain way all gay people and, and that's c completely ridiculous but that's that's a whole other point oh, but well, it's and we all we all know each other too you know you <laughs> there, yeah, there's the, the family, network right where, yeah we're all family we go to a scene like oh yeah look rick rick rolled into town ronnie rolled into town and like yeah 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 it's it's that knowing network and i always laugh when people are like oh so do you know so-and-so i'm like well no guess what you're black do you know so-and-so let me let me throw that back yeah. on you okay you know yeah. oh you're christian oh well do you know this so-and-so it's like come on of folks course. open your freaking mind you know but um but it is interesting and for somebody yeah. in this space that you have given yourself full permission to like go be yourself are there moments where you're like, well, with all the crazy going on, I don't know. Do I need to like hide myself? Do I not need to hide myself? Do you have those moments at all? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I do have a heightened awareness to be aware of my surroundings and to do some strength training. Like that's probably a good idea uh, to yeah. make sure that I've got my house protected in the way that I need. To. I do have that. Because I just see where it is with, with violence, with the tax, with the, the crime legislation right. and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? The deathbed test. All right. We're going to yeah. be all be there at some point. Uh, some of us won't even have the luxury of knowing it just it just happens yeah. when it happens. But the deathbed test is all right. Did I live the life that I need to live? A am I am I out there being authentic? helping others in the process. And so that deathbed test is very affirming and reassuring that I've got to ultimately to do this. I mean, I'm, I'm judicious. Like this is a friendly atmosphere. Other places I go are friendly. So I'm, I'm cautious about that. But at the end of the day, I have a life to live. You have a life to live. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I think it is, we are in that space again, where being cautious and being aware is kind of a priority right now. You know, yeah. my husband and I were on vacation and <clears throat> we were in Arizona and it, I felt okay. But there were moments like when we sat down at lunch and there was somebody with a, a gun on their hip, I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to show much public affection or anything here. You know, yeah. um, in the past, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about something like that. Sure. Right. Um, how I choose to speak in some circles around, you know, certain places and other places I don't bring it up. And I, and I hate that. I feel that need. I've had friends say, no, just keep being who you are. I'm like, well, I am being who I am, but I'm not stupid. Let's just be realistic. Right. Yeah. There's places I won't go. I mean, that lovely little place down on the bottom of the country that kind of sticks out in the water. Uh, I won't go there. I just won't go there at this point, you know, but I think, oh, yeah, I, I think what I've seen most is, and because I get to, I have the beautiful privilege of talking to people, so many different people in the world from our community, as well as other people who are sharing their coming out stories is the cautionary tells that are starting to show up are much more prevalent right. in the interviews than they used to be, you know, which doesn't mean everybody go hide, but I love that you brought up the death bed test because I oh, hid yeah. for too long. I hid for way too long, not being who I wanted to be in the world. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't behoove me. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't make me feel proud of who I am. And I'm yeah. sure that's part of what happens for you too, Ronnie. Absolutely. I mean, you, you have so many minutes. I saw this article that effectively said that you're going to have about 70 to 80% of the days that you live on life that are going to be boring mm, where nothing, mm -hmm. especially eventful happens. Um, one other stat I saw is by the time you're 35, most folks have accomplished two thirds of whatever it is that they're going to do in their life. Like most of their major milestones, you know, uh, and that's if you just get complacent. So yeah, you're going to be pretty easily in a boring routine otherwise if if you're not out there uh doing it but i i agree what you said though to, to have that caution too i mean that's why i said at the beginning the the heightened awareness you know because there are certain travel advisories you know uh that place sticking out in the water you mentioned before is one of them uh there are you know scores of countries you probably don't want to go to because yep. that's also a part of that so you want to know what you're in for and you want to know you know whom you're with but yeah um but sure yeah i i, I think that you, you've got to kind of make your days intentional mm -hmm. and and it becomes bigger than you ultimately like you have this platform you're doing a podcast you're adding to the culture Right. by contributing in this way. And I think that that's the other thing with that too, is beyond just being about your own story, there, there's a strategy in that. There's probably some kind of a mission yep. in that, uh, a ministry even, if, if you're willing. And it's needed with all this legislation. I mean, there's any time to marshal your forces and try and work the mechanics to get yep. through politics or whatever it is, it would be now. And even if you don't want to be at the forefront of the politics, you know, if you're doing some kind of ancillary support or whatever, 
that's good too. So that th there's there's too much to tap into to respect human diversity and, and to try to make things better around here. So to make things better, you decide you need to let your white girl within come out. <laughs> so what, what, what yeah. was, I mean, you said you felt it, but then there's something about yes. feeling it and starting to explore and all this. And then there's a whole nother layer of, okay, now I'm going to write a book about this. I'm so, write a book. Yeah. So I'm well, assuming if you were like me, I never thought I was going to write a book. And then one day I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to write a book about this because I just feel like it, it it's part of what needs to happen for who I am. Yes. So oh, what yeah. was that moment like for you or maybe more than one moment, but what was that like? Okay, here we go. This is what I'm doing. The aha moment was being in my ex-girlfriend's house at the time. She wasn't even there. Mm. And I had this moment of being flooded I was emo emotionally flooded where everything I was like 29 at the time when I experienced that and everything that had been there from the time I was four, I was four years old when wow. I first recognized this truth. And from four all the way through 29, it just, it just started to erupt and through tears, there was this little notebook that was in her house and I just grabbed it and I just started writing. I was my own chat GPT at the time, well before chat GPT came out. I was just filling the pages, just going like that. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm a, I'm a professor of English. So I'm pretty, I, I scrutinize maybe more than the average person, you know, about words and, and what you're, what I'm writing. I do that for a living. But at that point, I was just voraciously going. So that was the moment when I knew that one, I had to share this beyond just a punchline, what was a punchline started to become a philosophy. And then from the punchline, it's became a publication, like you're talking about it now. You know, um, she was the first person I seriously described this to. And this was before having the language of transgender, transracial. It's just like my inner is what I call it, a dichotomy. She was a doctor, so she was finishing up her residency. She had acquaintances that were psychologically oriented. They were an older couple. They were like 20, 25 years older than us. And so the couple, uh, the husband was a psychologist. Wow. And his wife, I think, was a social worker and teacher. So they both had this mental health focus. And we discuss some of the dynamics with them. Now, again, this is, you know, a few years before Caitlyn Jenner and all of this, this was before the transgender tipping point and all this stuff, before transracial. So we were just talking about this effectively in the vacuum. The, the, the best point of reference would have been white chicks, which mm -hmm. had come out a few years before. And of course, that's a farce, but at least you could conceptualize it. Obviously, you might go to Michael Jackson, you know, given the phenotype you started out with. And what right. he became, although he did not ever identify as a white female, just to put that out there. But right. the phenotype changed. So that was that was it. We were in a vacuum and we just started discussing it and just little by little talking about it that way, going to counseling. I've done a mm -hmm. lot of years of uh, counseling. Um, I did a dissertation connected to this. So I've been blessed to be able to contextualize. Yep. And then, as I was saying to you before, 
You know, I realize we're all walking contradictions. We all have shadow work that we can do one way or the other. And most of us, if we are honest, we'll see that we're the opposite of everything in some category. You know, right. it could be as simple as, all right, some person now they see a certain number on the calendar, so they know they're a certain age. But in their mind, they feel like they're half that age. Yep. You know, yep. that right there is the opposite of everything. You know, that's why there's your chronological age, your biological age, you know, all those things. There are variances. And so I think that as uh, stratospheric as this can sound, as as uh, foreign as my particular identity can sound, I think at the end of the day, it's a part of the human condition that a lot of us grapple with the opposite of yep. everything. <laughs> well, it is because we get stuck in these binaries and in these right. thought patterns of what life is supposed to be. Exactly. You know, there and there is no, you know, no pun intended because you're black, I'm white, but there is no black and white. There's yeah. so many shades of grays and rainbows throughout who, who we are as a human species. And, uh, you know, I know this has been talked about numerous times, but one of the things that I find most fascinating is the reason people get so stuck in these spaces of, no, it's this way, it's this way, it's this way, is because all they have been taught is black, white, black, white, black, white. This yeah. is the way you're supposed to see things. And I'm, yeah. I mean... Ronnie, I'm going to admit it was years ago, probably back in 2012 or 13, I started speaking on PFLAG panels. And the first time I was with a transgender individual, it was really hard for me to like wrap my brain around, okay, what, what is this, right? Not that I thought she was some weird, you know, thing, yeah. but because she was, a big person like me and she had transitioned very late in life. She had transitioned in her fifties okay. and all I could see was the more masculine traits. Right. Okay. And it was really difficult for me in my brain to say, well, when he, and then no, she, you know, I had to kind of get through this. And as I got to know Michelle and we became really good friends and we ended up speaking on numerous panels together, we actually use that as part of the quote learning because I would purposely you put it into the conversation like, well, he, oh, no, no, wait. And I would say, even me as a gay man, I yeah. am learning the journey. By then I'm like, we're just using this quote. I hate to say it, but quote is part of the shtick, right? It's like, we're going to have Rick purposely trip up so that we can teach the lessons because it's what we see in our mind's eye, you know, and I, I've said this numerous times on podcasts, I can walk down the street as a cisgendered white guy. Right. So to right. speak. Right. Nobody's going to know. I want Dick. I just want Dick. I want <laughs> Dick. I want Dick. Let's just be real. Okay. But nobody's going to know that if I don't say it, Yeah. somebody who's, black or hispanic or asian you can't kind of hide that stuff but also i have met men in my life which i think all of us have that i'm like oh gotta be gay gotta be gay and then they're not they're just you know sensitive and i wouldn't say effeminate but they're on the softer side 
And again, it's such an interesting mind fuck for me to like, okay, move through this and understand it differently. Right. Yeah. And um, recently we were on a trip and um, same, same trip that I was describing. And I, we met a gay couple at the resort we were staying at. Well, hello, it was a gay resort. So hard to not meet a gay couple. Right. Um, Married, beautiful, just beautiful beings, beautiful people all the way. But the one partner had a very effeminate wedding band, like big diamonds. And it was definitely more of a feminine, like it would be what I would have bought my ex-wife for a wedding band, right? Sure. I know there are people, obviously it caught my eye, but I, I see these things. I'm like, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this to talk about in my world and what I do. Yeah. That all the assumptions that were gone with that, right? Oh my gosh, he's got such an effeminate. Oh, he must really. Oh, he must be a big old bottom. You know, didn't ask that question because it wasn't any of my my need to know, right? Or it could right. be. Oh, just so does he? You know, and then of course he had some fingernail polish on, and and you know there are people who would look at that and go, well, if he wants to be a woman, just let him be a woman. I'm like, yeah. that's not always it. I mean, the I remember a year and a half ago or so we went on vacation. My husband went to go get manicure, pedicure. And he came back and he had his toenails painted. And I'm like, oh, Betty. Wow. And I'm like, he goes, I, I just felt like it. I felt like vacation. I'm going to go be me. And it was all gay vacation. And I'm like, okay, cool. But on that same year, we stayed in a space in Austin, Texas at a Airbnb. And the guy that was our host, he showed up and he was, he was on the fence. I couldn't figure him out. I'm pretty sure he was playing on you know, the gay team, but he had nails painted and everything. But if you was walking down the sidewalk, you wouldn't know you wouldn't have any. So it's this this interesting thing that the black and whites and everything that we put into our, it's no wonder we're all so screwed up about this. And then when somebody writes a book, like white girl within, you're like, what's this all about? You know, (laughs) see, I'm pretty good at these segues, right? I I, I got this. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I hope, to definitely challenge and bust through binaries, rigid structures. You just have to. You know, we're moving pretty deep now into the 21st century. I mean, we're getting to the point where we're almost halfway through it, really. I mean, right. in, in, in a way. And so you just you have to keep evolving. I mean, we're closer to 2050 than we are in the 1980s. Than we well, are and the, the thing 1990s. is, is if we don't, if we don't keep evolving, then we're, I don't feel like we're growing as a race or as a conscious being. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah. I and mean, there's so much that's tied in my mind to this consciousness and spirituality of who we are as human beings. And we miss right. that when we close it off, you know? So what is the, the girl within discovered by writing the book? I'm curious, like, what is, what is your white girl within discovered about like who, who Ronnie is on the outside versus the white girl that's inside that came through from you writing the book? Um, I think the discovery of voice. So there's the conscious voice that we all have. You know that you're Rick and there are certain things that Rick says I know that I present and, and I'm perceived as Ronnie and there are certain things I'm going to say in this respect. But then there's your subconscious voice. There are things that a lot of us don't say that we yep. think, it's our internal dialogue. Then there's that unconscious voice where 
it's harder to access. It's things that we think, but it's not always accessible. And it may be that still voice or something that you get later. So I think that by writing this book, I've come closer to pinning down the differences between the conscious voice, subconscious voice, unconscious, even the collective unconscious. So the white girl finding a way to articulate instead of it just being an image or a thought or an instinct or a feeling that's swirling about, it's starting to be transcribed and to show up in language that then is going to help with moving along the outer, along a continuum to try to better, better balance out the reality, the identity, so that there's more expression. So I think it's just trying to get a language. And it's similar to where we all started. What happened when we were little? We had our first what? Our first words. Yep. And then our sentences. And then we start reading and we start being able to craft the sort of world that's our reality based on our acquisition of vocabulary and language and how we share that and put that out there. So in a lot of ways, I think it's a part of the same process of the the, the stages of uh, development there. So finding the voice, I think, is is a big part of uh, of the book. Well, it is. And it's interesting that you say that, because as I wrote, frankly, my dear, I'm gay. I was like, I'm just going to I'm going to tell my story. I had just finished my coaching certification and I thought, well, I can just tell my story. Yeah. <clears throat> but who's going to buy, you know, want to just buy the story? And I, I, I knew I was in a unique. Well, I thought I was in a much more unique space of being like a guy who was married to a woman and coming out of the closet and having kids. You know, I, I thought, oh, I'm kind of a weird anomaly. Right. Well, I discovered I wasn't such a weird anomaly, but then when I got certified as a coach and I focused on just helping working with men who were going down that path, I decided, okay, I'm going to add some interest to that part of the book where each chapter you're like, okay, if you were dealing with the religious piece, then here's, here's some exercises to work on to work through that. And then if you're dealing with like, how do you have the conversation? So it's kind of story, self-help combined sort of thing. Right. Well, I got through and I'm like, oh my God, this is the most boring piece of shit I ever wrote in my life, right? At the time, I was finally starting to, as you said, find my voice because I already had the podcasts. Right. And I would start, so the first podcasts were horrible. I, uh, I always like, if somebody wants to have fun, go listen to episodes one, two, three, and four. You go, I would never listen to this podcast again, right? Oh, they're still posted. So scripted, so boring. So like, you know, here's what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a podcaster, you know? And yeah. And are those still up? Oh God, yes. Oh yeah, oh, they're out there. Oh, they're out there. Out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, go have a laugh. They're just like, <laughs> but by the time the book was coming out, I'm like, my voice was this sassy bitch that I am now. It's like, this is who we are, right? Which is so funny because my friends are like, you're never like that when you're around us. I'm like, no, I'm a totally different person, right, bitch. <laughs> and then <laughs> like the bitch comes out and they're like, oh, there it is, right? Yep. But in the midst of writing the book and the rewrite, I'm like, this is so boring. Suddenly I'm, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, there's a big back diva inside me that she has some shit to say about this stuff. I'm like, then she's part of the book. Uh -huh. And Lem Lemonade Pop is that's when she was born, was in the book. And really? I'm so glad she, yeah, yeah, she oh. she's the one because she's the alter ego, you know. So mm -hmm. as I was talking to my alter ego, you know, Lemonade Pop, she's like, girl, you just, you know, girl, what are you doing? You know, come on, man. 
And it's interesting because some people got really offended by that. They're like, why do you have to have the girl and the man and all that? I'm like, because you know what? That's the way my subconscious talks to me. Like, bitch, wake the fuck up. What the fuck are you doing? That's how my, you know, that's you how my little consciousness talks to me. And thank God it does. Because yeah. I think that was such a key critical piece for me moving into my truth of realizing it's okay to have that voice. It's okay to let that voice play full out and oh, yeah. be exactly who you want it to be. Yeah, you'll get to the point you won't you won't have a choice. It, it's, exactly, it's gonna, it's gonna happen one way or the other. Young talked about uh, basically to, to paraphrase it that if if you're not careful, you'll let the unconscious go unchecked, and you'll say that it's fate. Yes, you know you'll you'll call it fate. You know, I'm, yep. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, it's 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 basically that. So it, it it's do it or, or, or not, it's, it's going to happen. Well, and the thing is, is there's so much beautiful release of doing it, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, there's such a, and you know, I know for me, when I finally released so much of myself to be who I am, that the, the weight of the world, the weight of my world, but even what I felt like was the weight of the world lifted. Mm. I could just be who I wanted to be. And even to the podcast, like once I'm like, by the third episode, I'm like, I just, this isn't, I, I can't do this scripted thing. Right. Yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, we're just going to go where we go. And I have some guests who like, I can't do that. I'm like, well, trust me. I think you can. And it's been very rare that, you know, we haven't had a good guest that could do that. Right. But I think that beauty of fluidity, you know, Ronnie is right. one of the things that I'm sure you've experienced the more uh, more fluid you allow yourself to be, whether it's about your gender identity, your sexuality, whatever it may be, but even just the fluidity of being you as a human, yeah, it probably makes you so much more at peace with being in the world. Oh yeah, yeah, I like what um what Cornell Cornell West says about uh, being improvisational like jazz, mm. you know, and I I come from a from an acting background so i'm used to improvising and that's that's a part of my life now as i've gotten older you know how it is you, you get older you do some adulting you're forced to adult and then there are some things that do get a little bit more structured and sometimes it, 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 that becomes the prison you know and then you you felt that you know when you were in the early phases of the podcast that was probably part of it too regimented at that point too structured and um, and I, I go through that every once in a while. But yeah, like you're saying, there, there's a beauty of letting it flow, have your watershed moment. You don't give a damn. You just let the damn break. You don't mm -hmm. give a damn if the damn breaks. And you just, th th there is something about connecting with your humanity like that and just, just yeah. letting it flow. So I agree. Well, but I think that's the thing is, to me, fluidity, and I, okay, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to caveat what I'm about to say is it's very hard oh. to be fluid with people that are on the fringes of like really out there. Okay. But the fluidity of like being able to go, well, help me understand that or help me see that or explain that to me versus oh, that makes no sense to me. This is the way it's got to be, you know? And yeah. I guess because I've dealt with, I've dealt with some situations through my life. Um, people in my world with addictions and stuff where I'm like, Oh, okay. There is no black and white. And even in my own struggle with depression, 
which I was an asshole about early on. Like my, my ex and my mom suffered with it. I'm like, just get over it. Come on. You just, just do this. And then went, man. <laughs> so when, when the, my big black diva slapped me upside the head and said, okay, girl, you're going to experience this. You got depressions too. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, this is hard. You know, uh-huh. that's when I started to realize my own ability to be fluid in my way. I see things also gave me the big E word empathy Mm. because the more fluid I can be and trying to see things and I'm a judgmental bitch. I'm going to admit it. I can be very judgmental. And that's only when my black goes up Um, or she's going to hit me upside the head now later today, (laughs) but um, you're about to be bruised. I am going to be bruised. They can't see you, but you're about to be bruised. I didn't do it. I'm digital. So don't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't tase me, bro. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it is an interesting space to get to play in with our own consciousness and ourselves when we're like, okay, but what if I wasn't so rigid? What if I would allow this to happen? What if I would be that, you know, and um, embracing. So what do you feel like you have embraced the most by putting this book out into the world? Mm, Good question. I feel like I've embraced the understanding that there are a lot more possibilities Mm. than what I would maybe have allowed myself to know. It's one thing to like intellectually get it, but then a book is real. Your book, you can hold a lot of people write books now, you know, you, you can hold it or it's selling. You see when you are getting royalties, it becomes real. It's not just in your head. And so that for me has really helped to recognize that there are more possibilities in terms of what mm-hmm. I can do with my identity, in terms of what I can do, even when it comes to confronting. Um, a, a part of this book, too, is unfortunately there was uh, domestic violence in, in my family. And, and that's an unfortunate reality for a lot of people. I had an abusive father. He was good in, in ways, but he was he, his bad was as good as the good. I mean. So he, he was abusive to me, to my mother um, growing up. And so I feel like now that there's that possibility where I can confront him because I want to know why. You know, I want to know why he did some of the things he did. And a part of me has thought that that could have been one of the reasons of the split in terms of um, the identity, although I think it's still more than that, but that might be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about post-traumatic slave syndrome in the book. Mm-hmm. So I know that he had it definitely way harder than I did. I mean, he's in his seventies in apartheid Alabama growing up. So he had a very different reality. There's a big age gap between us. So very different reality than my life. Uh, so the possibility of, of confronting him, because he's a pretty intimidating person, even at his age now, he's, he's pretty intimidating. Um, I'll just say that he could whoop your ass. I mean, he's, He's, he's an intimidated person. Oh, I get it. I get it. And I think that's part of it is that so many of us in our own ways, whether it's a subconscious or a physical presence or whatever, the intimidation of letting ourselves step into being our truth yeah, is very scary. Extremely. You know, my the and sometimes the intimidation isn't a person or a being. It's an entity. It's a belief system. I mean, for most of us in the LGBTQ space, there's a lot of religious intimidation that keeps oh. us from moving forward. 
Right. And that was my, one of my biggest ones, you know, like, uh, and, and then expectations is an in, intimidating thing too. Oh, you're going to be such a wonderful husband and da, 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 da. Well, it's so interesting when you put that in the construct of yes, the normal heteronormative like construct, I'm going to disappoint everybody. And yes. so it's an interesting space um, right. to see how intimidated we can become by something that is actually more of a construct than a reality. It's just oh, such an interesting perfect. space to place. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Much more of a construct in your mind than a reality. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So that's why that subconscious that's that's hitting you upside the face, it's breaking through that. And it's wanting you to push through that fear. So I like how you how you say that in there. And and that shows up in the book too, wrestling with fear and you know, being aware, you have to be aware of what's out there because there are a lot of folks that that don't like us, that project a lot of things on us. So it's it's tough, but at least we have the national ear. You know, we, yes. we're we're on the international stage, and it's not just in little pockets, but we're being recognized. So so there's something to be said for that. That that's a testament to the progress. Well, and there is progress. And I think that's the thing that I love about where you fall in the spectrum of your inciting you and others who are like, I'm in the fluidity space. Yeah, You're inciting, not in a bad way, not like an insurrection. It's an insurrection of its own <laughs> becoming, but not like, you know, not, oh. I don't want to go that direction, but oh, there, no. there, you're, you're, enti- you're inviting, right. you're inviting there you go. progress. There just like go. Stonewall invited progress, just like the march on Washington invited progress, the march from Selma to Montgomery invited. Each of these things invites progress. And sometimes I think that's what we miss as a human race is we're inviting progress. Banning books is not inviting progress. No. It is sending us back the other direction. Banning drag when queens, you don't read them. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. Yes. It's sad when you're banning books and you never read a book. Just saying, I'm yeah. calling some people out right then and there. Oh, you've never <laughs> read a book? Well, look at you banning those books. You don't even know yeah. what the damn thing says. So, right. Um, yeah. Like critical race theory. I always love those interviews. So, what is, well, you know, it's just not good. Really? Can you please explain that? Well, I don't really understand it, but I know it's not good. Yeah. Really? Then fuck yeah. you. Just fuck right. you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it when I see it. Right. But they haven't read it. So, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, so what's next for Ronnie? We got the book. What's yes? Where you go from here? TV well, show, movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I would like to get into that cinematic space. Uh, I mentioned Rachel Dolezal mm-hmm. earlier, and um, we actually are in a documentary together already. That's it's been on Netflix for a while. It's been on there since uh, 2018. It's called The Rachel Divide. And mm. in the doc, she's talking about her experiences being transracial. Although mm. that's not really her preferred term, but for people that are just listening, she's talking about that experience having been, she was born as a white woman, but she ended up transitioning to appear as a black woman 
those that don't know or have forgotten. And yeah, she erupted onto the scene the same year as Caitlyn Jenner's transition. So that was 2015. And from 2015 through now, she's been out there off and on. And I appear in the documentary as well. And I, I offer some insights on, I think, her perspective. And then they asked a bit about my journey. So I'm in that. So um, I'd like to build on that and mm-hmm. add more context, um, go out and speak. I speak in schools and yes. universities and all that. I, I'd like to do that to talk more and to help others to process their opposite of everything and, and to work to formulate a narrative and a story around it in a similar way that I've done. And, and you know the value mm-hmm. of writing a book too. So, Yeah, the value and the pain of writing a book. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Definitely the pain. Yes, the pain. I've got got book number two. Well, I shouldn't say. Well, uh, who knows? I'm okay. I'm going to say this so that when this show actually airs, maybe book number two will not still just be sitting here waiting for me to try to find a publisher. But it's a, it's a, it's a journey. I mean, the first one was kind of easy because I'm like, okay, I'm telling my story and just you know all this sort of stuff. This book's been a journey. I mean, this one was three years in the making, and now here it is. It's been rewritten twice. And I'm like, okay, well, now, girl, come on, <laughs> go yep. find that publisher, you know. And do you uh, feel like it's good now? Like, like you feel? Oh like yeah, I've yeah, I've already i've I've put it out there to some good pre-readers, some who oh, not good. aren't my friends. Purposely, like, okay, you don't know me very well, but I'd love your feedback, and it's come back really good. So I'm just right. I'm being lazy. I'm being lazy, white boy, right now. Like I don't feel like doing the work right now. So. <laughs> But hopefully by the time you this take airs, a break could after be. all that hard work. Well, you yeah, do. A, I mean, that's, that's a, especially when you go through and you write it and then you kind of go back through and it's like, okay, now, because I kind of wrote it at different times. So the voice somewhat changed depending because it started when the pandemic started and then kind of lost oh, its way for okay. a while. And then I came back in like, okay, yeah. we're going to get this done. And well, in the version that I'm like, let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. The voice was completely different than where it started. And then I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. These two, it's almost like two different books. I'm like, no, 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 no. So then I, I spent specific time going through the entire thing going, let's put a little bit of the sassy diva voice back in it. Yeah. And I'm glad I took the time to do it. And like I said, now I'm just being lazy and like, okay, we'll get it out there yeah. at some point. But um, anyway. And well, that goes back to the power of what we said at the start, finding the voice, finding absolutely. the way to articulate and amplify your message yeah absolutely well i'm so glad you found your voice ronnie and you're articulating your message and you're sharing yourself in the world and again i i love love the book i love what you stand for and so glad that you you. gave us time to showcase you and pimp you out let's be honest we're pimping you out here like go (laughs) go go buy the book go buy the book i want you to go buy the white girl within and um, anybody who would like a copy of the book this is something i do quite frequently is if you would like a copy of ronnie's book email me at rick at rickclemens.com be the first one that sends that email to me and i will buy a copy of the book on my dime and mail it to you from our lovely little ways that we do stuff and um, because I feel like it's important to get these messages out in the world for everyone to read. So um, 
Okay, so I think I'm done with you now, Ronnie. I don't need you anymore. It's time to for oh, you to okay. sashay away and sashay out of here. I yeah, I, but that. I didn't make you sing for your life. I'm telling you, I didn't make you sing for your life. You shared everything you needed to share. So uh, anyway, I, did. I, I, did. I appreciate you so much and for being part you. of my world. And um, you know, let's do it again next next big thing you have. Let's let's make sure we make it happen again. And I hope all the listeners yeah. enjoyed this conversation and getting a little more insight into what's your white girl within that maybe you need to release into the world. So thanks again for being here, Ronnie, and um, for sharing yourself. Thank you. Thank you for inviting, not having, but inviting. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.